With Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, happy Friday. We are underway this hour. It's Friday, April 21st. Coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. And we welcome you to the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Flames Talks available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are wrapping up what was a very eventful week in Flamesland, and it is time to go inside hockey talking about just that. Inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Calgary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. It's Friday, which means we say hello to Sportsnet's Eric Francis on Francis Friday. And yeah, the last time we spoke a week ago, Mr. Francis, um, from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca, there, there, there's been a little bit that's happened since then, hey? We've, uh, we've had a, a slight bit of news since our last formal conversation on this medium. Exactly. Andrew Mangiapane has had shoulder surgery, and that explains a lot about how his numbers dipped this year. Oh, that, that was what I was referring to. I don't know oh, if there's anything else. Yeah, oh, yeah obviously a big week uh, for Dustin Wolf. Everyone's really <laughs> excited about him. Uh, that's, I mean, some incredible company. The only eight goalies in the history have ever been the MVP of the AHL, including, uh, what did I see? Was it? Johnny Bauer? I believe. Oh, I, I saw you tweet that, and I, I believe. I tweeted that, was, that out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a couple hours ago, but Johnny Bauer, he, he did it three times. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty good company. But, yeah, the news that uh, you and I have spoken about it for quite a while, that this is a, was a very real possibility that yes. Jeremy could walk away. Um, I think it, you know, I get that it would probably shock a lot of people outside the market, but you and I have been talking about it for so long that, it, it, it's probably not all that shocking for Calgarians, but you think big picture, man. Tell me how many GMs have ever walked away from an organization, just walked away and said, you know what, it's not for me. And uh, and what an indictment that is for an organization uh, when that happens. That's uh, That was a sad day at the Saddle Dome the other day for sure. That, that, that uh, for on a lot of different levels, for a lot of different people, that was uh, one of the saddest days I've ever spent at the Dome. And, and and it's not just because, you know, I, I think you and I really like Brad Trilliving on a personal level. Yes. He, re- he represented this city and this organization so well. Um, you know, we could debate all you want about the job he did. I thought he did a hell of a job uh, given the circumstances. I, I know the results weren't there. But uh, at the end of the day, for a guy to walk away, boy, does that ever – that's a bad commentary on where your organization's at. I don't care how you paint it. That, at the end of the day, is what it says to me. Yeah, the fact they weren't able to meet in the middle and they weren't able to, to figure it out, it, it it's one of those circumstances where you, you really feel like, I, and, and, and maybe we're too close to it and, and we get accused of that all the time and, and sometimes I think it's fair. And this one might be one of them, but like it, it really does feel like they, they, lost a, they lost a good one. And I've said this, the entire time. And first of all, like 
it feels like it's been four years since Brad walked away. It was Monday of this week. Like it's been that it's been that kind of a week where you're like, geez, that feels like ages ago. And yet it's only been a few days, but I've been, we've been talking about this to your point for so long and it's been on our radars in this city for so long that it it feels like it's been longer than four days. And I just, all along when people have asked the question on our post game shows and when taking calls or reading texts or seeing Twitter, my take has always been if there is a way and if Brad is interested in coming back, the flames should do what it takes to keep him. And that's not, you know, obviously there are limits. You're not going to give him, uh, you're not going to give him a, a, a plated gold scepter and you're not going to uh, all of a sudden give him, now he owns the franchise. Like you, there are limits to what you can do, but I, I just always thought it was better to let the man see out the work that he had started this past summer and see, see what that vision kind of had in store as opposed to letting him walk away or not re-signing him. And so I I think that they lost a, a, a really good general manager and a guy that did better for them than when he started. Like when he started, the t- the organization was in a, in a worse off spot than as he leaves it this week. And it's why it becomes so crucial to get this next hire right because – You've been saying it all along. If Brad wants, he can write his ticket, right? He can, if there's an open GM, uh, open GM job, he's going to be in the mix. And if he wants to be a general manager again next season, there's probably going to be a team that, that hires him. No question. And uh, just talking to different people around the league for the last three, four days. Like, I don't know if I've ever spent so much time on the phone with people around the league, uh, talking about this situation. I'm not just talking about radio. I'm talking about like uh, yeah. p- potential candidates, but uh, you know, I, I spoke to one of the owners, uh, you know, like uh, everybody's got a take on this. It's the hot button issue, you know, around the organization. And I do think this is, you know, I kept saying that the, the, the organization is on the verge of a crossroads here and I, and, and Monday proved it. And um, you know, where they go from here, will 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 dictate, so much of the near and long-term future of this organization. And I actually think that the silence we've heard since Monday is deafening. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, the takeaway from that press conference was that nobody, well, not that nobody's safe, but it was that, you know, everything is under review Mm -hmm. and and specifically the coach's future. And, uh, I think we all kind of thought, yeah, yeah. Well, in a day or two after he has his meeting with with Maloney, it'll be it'll be the Daryl Sutter, you know, farewell press conference for the summer, and he'll look forward to next year, and or maybe he'll do it Thursday, or maybe he'll do it Friday. Well, we've heard nothing, and I, as far as I know, there is no plans for the weekend for there to be any sort of media availability with Daryl Sutter. Like whether they're actually reviewing the possibility of not bringing the coach back or whether they're just paying lip service to it and, and it's uh, smoke and mirrors, we're going to find out. And But every single day seems like an eternity when we sit here and think about, you know, is this coach twi- twisting in the wind right now? Uh, we know he's got a two-year contract. Would they really consider uh, basically buying him out? Um, is that the best thing for the organization? Uh, you know, all these things are being discussed behind closed doors. And instead of just lip service, I really do believe that, like, 
it's it's such a like it, I don't I don't think they know the answer, which is the key thing. I think everybody thinks they just were were they knew the answer, but they were just going to say the right things. Right. I'm fine. You you think you think that this you think that this review that that Don told us about on Monday is is legit happening, and they are doing the the hardcore internal audit of everything. Yes, I do and too. I, I do too. I, I and I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought that with Tree walking away, it basically told me that they picked their horse out of the two guys in this power struggle. And uh, hey, it, it wasn't the organization that necessarily made the decision. It was Tree who made the decision. But then it kind of makes it easier for the organization then to say, okay, well, those two guys, if they had their issues, that's one thing, but now one's gone. So the other one can just continue on and he has a contract and it's pretty easy to do that. And I've said it a million times. Daryl Sutter's a hell of a coach. One of the greatest coaches. I really believe that. Like he'll go down as one of the all time, you know, but, but, but it's not, it's not just about coaching. It's about managing people. It's about creating a culture. It's about creating an environment that people want to be part of. And I think we've seen enough signs of late that people don't want to be part of this environment anymore. And it's getting worse and it's going to get worse. And you have to ask yourself, is that because of the coach? Is that because of the GM? Or is there something else going on? And these are all questions that the organization is yep. looking at right now. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Murray Edwards knew quite the extent of where all that was. And uh, I think delving into it now, maybe it's opening his eyes too. Francis is with us, and uh, it's Francis Fridays. And you know what really drove it home for me when it comes to I'm with you. I, I really believe that this internal review that they said they're going to do, they're they're doing, and they're they're having some really really tough and important questions behind closed doors. Is how many times, whether it was Don Maloney when he spoke to us, or even when Don joined me on Flames Talking in the Hot Stove Lounge. Uh, the, the Doug Lacey's Basement System Hot Stove Lounge on Monday, the amount of times they talked about the exit meetings and the conversations with players and the amount of times it's been brought up by Elliot Friedman and other insiders nationally, I, I, I really think that those exit meetings, they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, was that the emotion of a really disappointing season? Maybe the most disappointing season in decades for this organization? And and what was emotion tied to the season? And what was legit? What are things they need to act on? And what are things just boiling over from a really frustrating season? I, I think that those exit meetings really opened some eyes. Don Maloney was very adamant in saying he was in on all of them. I think opened some eyes for him now as the new president of hockey operations. I really do believe, Eric, that, that that's one of the biggest reasons why this review is actually being done as earnestly as, as we think it is. And let me tell you, it was by design that Don was in on all those meetings. You know, Brad Living knew a while ago, I believe, that he was not coming back. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, and so he wanted Don Maloney in on these meetings knowing that Don was probably going to be the guy who was going to inherit what was left when Brad Living left. So of all the things we always give Brad Living credit for, and, and maybe people are like, ah, oh, you guys are always a little you know, positive about Brad. Well, you know, say another good thing about him is he never, he, he, he left, but he didn't just leave without, you know, setting them up in a small way to try and, you know, figure this out. Like he wanted Don in those meetings so he could see the passion, the emotion, 
and, and hear what people are talking about and hear what they're saying. And, and, and now Don is digesting all that, crunching all that information, relaying it to the right people. And they're trying to figure out what it all means, because you can imagine Pat, and you know, we're never privy to being obviously in any of these meetings, but you can imagine you know, with every exit meeting, you know, with every team that doesn't win the cup, you know, there are going to be a handful of guys who are just furious, but, but I'm not sure they really voice their fury. I can tell you that from a lot of the conversations I've had, there was fury expressed and it's not by everybody, but it by a certain number of players. And uh, some of them are very important players Mm -hmm. and that, that carries a lot of weight. And, uh, well, we'll find out if it carries a lot of weight. We'll just find out. Yeah. And through all this, there's a vacancy at general manager. And based on everything Don Maloney said, everything that I understand, everybody that I've talked to, is that the the general manager will remain the most important hockey operations person. Yeah, there's a president of hockey operations, but Don Maloney's been quite adamant that he wants to – be a little more hands-off, and the GM's the guy who's running hockey ops. And uh, as he said, you know, he's had his tries. He's been GM twice. He doesn't feel like he's the guy to truly lead the direction of this team. And so he's now spearheading the search for the new general manager. They've got a crucial hire they've got to make here and one they absolutely need to get right here. And, And whether it's Craig Conroy or Brad Pascal or somebody externally, they, they've got to make sure that they get this one absolutely right because, as I've said many times, you can do a whole lot worse than the guy that just left the organization. So make sure that you're getting the right guy here. This is an absolutely massive hire they've got on their hands in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think anytime you hire a GM, it's a massive hire. Like, But, yes, right now here we are, first time in nine years that this organization is, has been – you know, facing this situation and absolutely they've got to get this right. And I just think optically it would be a big mistake if we see Daryl Sutter anytime in the next week or two or three, until this GM is announced, because I think optically, again, if you really absolutely want to get the right guy in here, then he should have carte blanche on what he's going to do with the coach. Yes. Yes. And listen, Intellectual honesty is, is a term that's used a lot. And I, I ask you this. You come in with hat in hand and you're trying to get a GM job, one of 32 in the world. It's the most coveted job in hockey in a lot of people's eyes. And there's a million assistant GMs and other people around the league who want this job so bad. You get down to the finalists. You get down to the last five or ten guys, whatever the number is. And they're there with hat in hand begging basically for a job that's going to pay them, what, upwards of a million dollars Plus, 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 as you as, yeah. you know, as you add years to your contract, you're going to look in the owner's eyes, knowing the history that this owner has with this coach, and you're going to look in his eyes, and you're going to say, "Yeah, I don't think we should have this coach." Not a chance, not a chance. Someone's going to say that, given the history and and, and the, you know the belief that this this owner is very much tied to Daryl Sutter. They have a great, they have a long relationship, and I don't blame anybody for not wanting to wade into there. So this organization has to decide if, if the coach was part of the problem of the culture right now. And if it is, then I think it should deal with it before the general manager comes. Or when the general manager is hired, say to him, look, you've got one last chance. What do you want to do? You can pin it on the GM or you can pin it on the organization, whatever you want to do, and then move it forward from there. Yeah. And, 
And if they decide that they want to go with the coach, if this GM is 100% on board and the organization has done all their due diligence and decided, ah, some of those guys who are voicing all their fury, they're just a little hot-headed right now. They'll calm down. That's fine, too. You move on that way. But I think that the smart thing is to wait for a long time before we see um, before this organization considers bringing the coach out for the year end. You know, it's just tradition that we always get the coach at the year end and we ask him questions. Well, can you imagine if they trotted him out today? I mean, every question would be about his future. Oh, and, yeah. And, his relationship and, and, with Brad, all that type of stuff. All that stuff. And you know what? And I, there's not a chance he wants to talk about any of that stuff. And so I doubt he'd even want to come and talk to us anytime soon. I, <laughs> I know he doesn't want to talk to us ever. <laughs> but But the point is, you know, it would be a really tough situation for Daryl Sutter, or any coach or any person to be put in that. And I don't think they want to put a guy like that in that position out of respect. Uh, you know, it's the right thing to do to not put him in front of the media right now. So as much as, you know, I don't know if our brethren are really crying to have him come out as is usual, but right now it's a very different circumstance than it we've is. ever seen before here. So don't, I don't think you're going to see it. Well, a few things there, first of all, and, 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 the fact that they are doing this review, I think that that in and of itself kind of puts them in a situation where, like, how do you bring out the coach and, and how do you yeah. go down that road? If you're, if you're doing a review, you, that, that's happening right now and the coach is part of it. So you kind of have to let that review happen before you bring out the coach to talk publicly. And then the other part is if, if I'm an organization that wants to succeed – and wants to not have dysfunction, I think you have to do what you talked about there, but you have to do it right. So if I'm hiring Eric Francis as my general manager, and he, he's my guy, then I want him to come in with the keys, and I want him to come in and be able to make his call. And I want to give him that type of authority. So if Eric Francis comes in and says, I don't think Daryl Sutter is the right head coach, then you got to say, okay, then we'll make that call. And if the general manager thinks that the coach is the right guy and they can get through this, well, then you do that as well. But I, if, if you're letting the coach dictate things and if he really is bulletproof, as a lot of people are, are suggesting or are worried about, what are you doing as an organization? That's not the way you run a successful organization. And I think that that is one of the things that the, this, the, the Flames are wrestling with right now is, yeah, we know that we've committed a lot of money to a guy, but if he's not the right fit for this group, does it make sense for us to stand by it? And does it make sense for us to keep on going down that road and, and shove a square peg into a round hole? So I, I'm I'm really fascinated about the type of autonomy that a new general manager has. And I know there are many that just assume that, well, new GM won't have... There are plenty. How many times have you heard it, Francis? That well, they're just going to hire a puppet for Daryl. That's going to be what they're what they're going to do. I I'm dead set against that. I think that is the one thousand percent last thing that you should do as an organization. But there are many who already believe that's the way they're going to go about it. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you know optics are so important in all this, right? I mean, uh, perception is everything. The people that are frustrated right now, and you hear the vitriol right now. People are very oh, yeah. frustrated and. And, and they're not sure where this organization's going. And I think a lot of people have very strong feelings on what they should do. I'm not sure a lot of people have strong feelings on exactly who they should hire, but the type of person or the, the person with the type of credentials is kind of something that people talk about. And uh, it's, it's just so crucial. And, you know, 
a lot's been made about the fact that uh, the coaches owed over four million bucks a year times the next two years, and and that's a lot of money. No one's saying it isn't, but when you're looking at an eighty-three million dollar payroll, and in particular, I kind of point to two guys who I think it's pretty well documented did not flourish under Daryl this year for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Um, you know, they're going to make seventeen point five million dollars next year between Cadre and Jonathan Huberto. And so just balance those numbers. And if you think that, you know, that's going to be a problem between the coach and either one or both of those guys, then that's just another reason why uh, you decide to make a move. But anyway, it's, you know, the coach is twisting in the wind right now. Uh, the, the organization, it's rudderless right now. You know, it's not saying it doesn't have direction. It, it has no one steering the ship right now. Don is steering it through these, these meetings right now with John Bean and other people to try and figure out what the template's going to be in terms of you know uh, interviews, what they're looking for, how long this is going to take. And so I don't mean to suggest nothing's happening, but uh, once a GM is put in place, then the steering begins right. uh, in a big, big way. And they've got, based on those exit interviews that, that we had in the media with the comments from Lindholm and the comments from Backland and, and, and uh, in particular, you know, it's pretty clear you've got some work to do on their futures one way or the other, like right away. And, and that's not to mention those fascinating interviews that we would all kill to be a fly on the yeah. wall for when, when the coach and the GM and, uh, you know, when everybody said their goodbyes and aired their grievances, boy, I'd, you know, I'd love to know what was said, but most importantly, I want to know if any of it has any impact yeah. on what the decisions are. And maybe it doesn't. Uh, and, and look, I mean, to, to echo your point, I mean, we're not. We're talking about a Hall of Fame head coach here, which is is part of the the conversation as well. A guy who we're not that far removed. Every button he pushed for about eighty two games or eighty nine games or whatever ended up working last season en route to him winning the the Jack Adams. So I I Absolutely. get I get all of the 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 consternation and the debating and the conversation behind closed doors. You're like this coach did so well one year ago. And now all of a sudden, the, all the talk is about the coach one year later. Like I, I, I get why this is an even more difficult conversation behind closed doors than it is on the outside like we're having right now. So it's why I'm, I'm so fascinated as to how the next number of weeks play out with all this type of stuff. Last uh, yep. last thing. And, and, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Just, yeah, for sure. I just want to add one more thing. It's not just, you know, the, the culture that's being debated and, and the, you know, the atmosphere and and how furious guys are or frustrated or angry or whatever. Um, It's not just crazy to sit here and talk about the coach's future being up in the air because this was a team that should have been challenging for a division this year and didn't make the playoffs. Yes. It's so well documented that they were so close. And I still think if they brought the exact same team back next year, uh, I still think they'd be a hell of a team. And I think they could really compete for the, for the division again, but at the end of the day, this team fell short of expectations, and certainly it's not out of the realm of like the coach has to take a certain portion of the blame for that for sure. For sure. He got all the credit, a lot of credit last year when they were the best team in the division. And, uh, and when they don't make it, it's fair to look at the coach and go, oh, I don't know. Uh, what, you know, what role did he play in all this, yep. too? Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, there, there, there's no absolution when it comes to the the blame and, and where it ends up landing for sure. I think he needs to, whether he's here next year or not, I think a bunch of it lies on the coach and 
players, general manager, all of it for sure. Um, okay, last last one. And you wrote about this over at sportsnet.ca this week when talking about potential candidates for this job based on who you've talked to or even what you've heard and, and listening to, to people. It sounds like Conroy's the guy that is getting the most speculation and Conroy's the guy that has gotten the most buzz about a potential next general manager. That's from my standpoint. Is that kind of where or how you've read it as well? Yeah, and it's fascinating because he just fled the country. Yeah, I know. He's, uh, he's off in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, he's at the U18s there. No, he's going there uh, for all the tax reasons. He's tax sheltering. He's staying in Switzerland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. People ask me, yeah, every day. We're all, everyone's asking everyone's opinion. You know, if I had to bet on one guy, I guess I'd bet on, 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 on Craig Conroy because for a million reasons, right? I mean, if you had to put money on one guy, it would be him. But, you know, I, I don't have a feel for whether or not he's actually going to get the job. Listen, Brad Pascal's done a hell of a job, too, and has mm-hmm. pieced together a pretty damn good resume as well. And full kudos to him for what he's done, what he's doing, uh, the reputation he has. Those two guys are, have got to be the front runners. But, you know, I put together a list of 13 guys who, you know, were some of the guys who probably already blew up Don Maloney's phone or are about to blow up Don Maloney's phone. Um, you know, Mike Fuda is, is a very interesting one to me. He's got extensive uh, history with, with Daryl Sutter in L.A. And, again, uh, I think that could help him if the coach is coming back or could that hurt him in the eyes of public opinion because people, wow, that's just another guy who's going to, you know, couch out of the coach. Right. I, I, I don't know, but I, I, Mike Fuda has a fascinating resume. He won a couple of cups uh, in LA. Um, he, he's, he's kind of, he was the guy who discovered Mark Giordano going way back in Owen Sound. So that's kind of lots of interesting um, things he's done. You know, I'm not going to go through everybody's resume, but there, there are a lot of good guys out there, but there are not a lot of guys who've been there and done the job. Um, and that's an interesting one to me. Um, you know, Stan Bowman to me, if he walked in and said, I'm interested, you know, that one's a fascinating one given what's going on. And is he out of kind of out of trouble with the league right now or not? Um, you know, all things being equal, he'd be, he'd be your front runner, I think, but there is a, a political side to this and there's a PR side and I'm not even sure he'd have the blessing of the league to go back in as a G. I don't know so many questions about it maybe it's easier to just avoid that but like there will be another gm or two i'm sure whose job will open up or will be fired in the next uh, three couple months but that might be too late by then so i don't know are there any names that come to mind to you that you say he's already been a gm and i think he deserves a shot like no bottle i think has to be on the list Botterill is interesting. I didn't yeah. love the work he did in Buffalo, but second time around, maybe it's better. I, uh, in, in terms of like I Hextall and, and Fletcher, I think you'd be better served to step away from. I, I think the, try, I don't like using the term retread, but the experienced general manager who's had a number of kicks at this already, I would not go down that road. Mm-hmm. Botterill yeah. would be a, a second time GM would be more interesting to me. Uh, and but I, I really like when they hired Tree. That was an AGM who had done everything and was ready for that next shot. And that that to me, whether it's Conroy, whether it's Pascal, or whether it's 
some of the guys that you had in your column that are AGMs right now, and there's some really interesting names. There's Tulski in Carolina. There's Peverly in Dallas. There's uh, there's there's Horkoff. Like there's there's some really good, interesting AGM names out there that I think that you would be really well served to give significant consideration to. That's the way I would go. Yeah, yeah, and there's. There's some interesting ones. Sean Burke's one that I, you know, he's been involved in a lot of different teams' discussions, and I've been pressed, you know, no end by him. I think he's fantastic. Ray Whitney's an interesting one, too, works with the league right now. Um, you know, the list is a long one. Hey, you know, we could sit here and name 30 guys right now, and it still wouldn't even cover half the amount of guys who, who feel like they have a shot at this yep. thing. But I've talked to four different people who are hoping to get the job who have applied or are going to apply. And it is fascinating to hear them and all the questions they have for me about the marketplace and about the situation. And what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Like getting your hands around, getting your head around the situation you're stepping into in Calgary is a fascinating endeavor for these guys because because it's so convoluted and no one's really sure what to believe. Yep. And they don't, and certainly they don't know if they're going to have this coach in place or if they're going to have that choice for the coach in place. They don't know, you know, there's so many fascinating elements to it. And I think people's frustration is going to grow over the next week or two. when we hear zero from this organization, but I don't think that should be misconstrued as no progress being made. It's just part of the, this can't just take two weeks, in my opinion. This Agreed. is going to take longer than that, right? This is unless you've already decided it's going to be Conroy or Pascal, um, and you're just going to do you know a handful of interviews just for for giggles. That's fine. But if you if you really are looking for the best candidate, this is going to take upwards to a month at least. And I think in this case, the less we hear, the better. Um, yeah. When it comes to to this, because we as we said, very obvious, but it's true. Like you you got to get this one right. Um, oh. That was fun. It's been a week. Thanks, my man. Talk to you next Friday, yeah. hey? What a crazy week. I don't enjoy weeks like this. You no, know, me this neither. is a sad week for this organization and for this city. Uh, maybe that sounds dramatic, overly dramatic to some people. But, hey, what's good for this organization is good for this city. And uh, and people are people are scared right now, and I don't blame them. And uh, we just have to – I guess people have to have faith that uh, Maloney's the man. You know, he's been around the block. And uh, – We'll see what he comes up with. Thanks, my man. Have a great weekend. You too. We'll talk next week, hey? Cheers, buddy. It's Eric Francis. He joins us every Friday. Francis Fridays. And he joins us inside hockey. Inside hockey, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. What a strange first season in Calgary for Nazem Kadri, hey? As we continue along on Flames Talk, this hour from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, Steinberg and Ryan Pike along with you. Just a really strange, varied Roller coaster like first season in Calgary for Nazem Kadri. Signs the deal in what was it, August when he signed? 
Um, yeah, because that was it was August when officially it gets yeah. done. Um, so on the one hand, he was their best player in that record five and one start. He was like shot out of a cannon. He had in real, the first really good October. Great October. Pretty decent first half of the season, all things considered. Ends up being an all star. And then it turned into a massive negative the other way after the All-Star break. And and he wasn't anywhere near the same player that he was. And we all speculated, well, is it a rift with with the coach? Or is it a uh, is it a problem with him and Daryl? Or has he quit on the team? Or what's going on with, with Nazem Kadri? It all kind of came to a head with that just awful performance against the Chicago Blackhawks in, in maybe the last flush of the toilet that was the season <laughs> that uh, that Chicago lost and and the two giveaways that he made like egregious on one shift he had two pretty tough reads and one of them led to a goal and there was the other one behind the net that did lead to a goal yeah two of them like two two that two of them that led right into uh pucks in the back of Calgary's net well, we're going to hear a little bit from Kadri when he spoke to us a, a week ago in a second year, Pike. But how do you characterize season one for Nazem Kadri? It's uh, like like Mr. Dickens wrote. It's a tale of two cities for for Nazem Kadri. I mean, first half of the year, All Star and very you know very well deserving representative of the club of the All Star game, and then the second half just not nearly the same player. And I don't know, like maybe it's he played a lot of hockey and he was definitely not a hundred percent. In the off season, I can't imagine he had the the season of the off season of training that he would hope, and he didn't know where he was going to be. I mean, you know, we we've seen this happen with a lot of guys. I mean, you know, Yarmir Yager is sort of an extreme example of it, where Yager did not have uh, heading into the the fall where he joined the Flames, did not have the season of uh, or the off season of training that he was anticipating because he didn't know if he was going to play, he didn't know where he was going to play, he didn't know a lot of things. I think with Kadri, he obviously knew he was going to be playing, but not knowing where you're going to be, not knowing the role, not knowing the the fit, not knowing anything really until he signed, and then jumping in, and then it was just a very weird year for Nazem Kadri. Let's uh, let's listen to Nazem Kadri as he spoke about his first season, the way things went, all that type of stuff. Here's just a, a snippet of Nazem Kadri from a week ago with us. It was a bizarre season, you know. It was just uh, something that I hadn't really uh, seen before, and um, you know, it's unfortunate. We're all disappointed, but um, you know, there there always can be a bounce back. Was it playing for Daryl? Playing for Daryl. Playing for. What's the biggest adjustment you had to make playing for Daryl? Um, I don't really think much. I mean, for me, I've uh, I've had a long history of uh, coaches with similar styles, and um, you know. Uh, kind of that hard exterior and, and just try to get the best out of you. And, um, so for, for me, I don't think it was uh, that, that much of an adjustment. Obviously, you know, throughout the course of the season, it uh, you know, you try to do the best you can to, to adjust not only to the coach but the teammates and uh, new players. Um, you know, so that's one thing definitely we could we could improve on is our consistency this year, and that's uh, that's what we're going to take away from it. You know, things boiled over between you and the coach at this point, one point this year. Is that report accurate? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, there obviously there's a lot of speculation with with all all that stuff. I mean, throw out a nine months together, you know, you've seen each other every single day. I mean, sometimes you know, even with your teammates, you might butt heads a little bit and the end of the day you 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 understand that you're a team and uh you play for each other and you stand up for each other and i think uh you know that's that's kind of 
what we improved on throughout the rest of the season. But, you know, to think everything throughout the course of the season is going to just be rainbows and butterflies is just, uh, you know, unrealistic. You know, it's it's not always going to be easy, and there's lots of adversity uh, that we have to face this year. So when you say it was a bizarre season, like what, what made this year so bizarre in your opinion? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really still trying to put my finger on that, to be honest with you. It's, uh, you know, it just seemed like, you know, there there was there was a lot of, you know, as inconsistent as we played, I think uh, a lot of nights maybe we deserved a better fate than what we got. What we got. And, uh, you know, it had this year had nothing to do with effort or, you know, guys putting it all out there each and every night. I think we did a great job at that. But, you know, for some reason we just uh, – you know, a break here or there, you know, uh, determine the fate of the season. I mean, what, what are we going to miss the playoffs by? Three, po- three points, you know. Uh, overtime, how many overtime games, one goal game. So, you know, we're doing a great job being in every single game. And, you know, that's really all you can ask for. That is Nazem Kadri. Just a little bit of his 10 minutes with us on Locker Cleanout Day a week ago. And there's a lot in there. You know, he talked about how... It wasn't. You chuckled when you heard him say rainbows and butterflies again. It wasn't always rainbows and butterflies when it comes to him and and the coach. But he said that's not that's not abnormal. Um, My question, I guess, and it's rhetorical, but like how how do you get him closer to the guy he was in the first month, or even closer to the guy that he was in the first half of the season? Is it is it the same thing that we talked about on the roundtable last hour where it comes down to just getting the, the stuff with the coach rectified and, and getting on the same page in that regard? Or is is there more to it? I don't know the answer. I guess the, the answer I do know is how important is it that Nazem Kadri is back on track next season? Well, the, the answer would be very important. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that's not in that clip that uh, Nazem Kadri talked about was Nazem Kadri acknowledged he's got six years left in his contract and he's committed to the city of Calgary and the team. And I thought it was very nice to hear him say that. Uh, but Kadri, I mean, when, you know, when Kadri and Huberdeau both came in, I think everybody looked at Huberdeau's body of work and the playing style and the system they played in, he played in Florida mm-hmm. and went, hmm, that'll be an adjustment. We didn't have the same questions about Kadri. I think we looked at how Nazem Kadri played and how he would fit into a Daryl Sutter system went, yeah. that would fit really well. And I think the fact that he fit in so well in the first two months of the season makes me think maybe it's a he ran out of gas kind of thing with him. I mean, he plays a very physical style of hockey. He's a, you know, a power forward with a capital P when he's at his best. And when he's at his best, he's very much sort of in the guts of the game. And we didn't see that as much in the second half. What might just be the case of he had a short summer. He was playing through some stuff. He alluded to, you know, not being 100% uh, when he's speaking with us. And maybe it might yeah. just be a case of he needs a full summer. He needs to go sit in a hot tub for a month, get his body right, get his mind right, and then come in back uh, at 100%. Because I don't think he was at 100% at all this season from get from the get-go. And and I do I I do think there's a lot of validity to that and I think it's important to underline that that you know I think that there was there was a a, a mental grind and a physical grind for him this year. Um I am still a very large Nazem Kadri fan. I really am. I, I, I as a person, um I just we were we were commenting listening to him right there that especially when he's 
laid back and and not in game yeah. day mode. He's he's great in game day mode too. He always he always is there to to answer your questions and and he's very very um you know he's he's one of those guys that you always know that you're going to be able to request and get and he'll give you answers and he's very well polished and seasoned to talking to the media. But when you get him out of game day mode in a setting like that, like he really, really insightful stuff. And, and you could just talk to that guy about hockey for a, a long time because it's, it's something that he cares you, about. He's passionate about it. You can kind of tell, and this will make our Eastern friends feel very happy. You can tell he spent time in Toronto because when you're in yes. Toronto, yes. you get so many different types of questions because of the sheer volume of people there. And so folks come at you from all kinds of different angles because you kind of have to in the market that size. And I think he sort of had a trial by fire in terms of media literacy early in his career. And you can sort of tell, like, he thinks the game at a very high level because I think, A, he's a very savvy person to begin with, but I think he's taken that kind of experience and really it's it's honed how he thinks about things and how he uh, verbalizes those thoughts. And And I think that he still is an extremely bright hockey player. I still think his hockey IQ is is very high. It's it's why he's been in Selkie Trophy conversations over the years and and for a long time. Um, and so I still think the guy can play at a high level. And I still look. I don't think he's going to be a, a ninety or what was it eighty nine points or whatever it was the last season in Colorado. Yeah. But I think that he is a better than what we saw significantly better than what we saw in the second half of the season. And B, I think he still has, especially over the next number of years, two or three years, still very much has it in him to be one of the best players and most important players on this team. So I remember, I think he had a bad second half of the year, and I think he is significantly better than that. And they need him to be significantly better than that next year. I'm pretty confident he will be, but... That's one of your, you know, we talk a lot about Huberdeau and how important it is for him to bounce back. And his year was frustrating start to finish. Kadri's was more just the last 30, 35 games or so, but they, they need him as well. And not just because he is their second highest paid forward starting next season, but also because when Nazem Kadri is the player that he is capable of being, he sets a tone. He is, there's a presence to him on and off the ice. He drives play in the right direction. He helps you offensively. Like he's just a really good hockey player. And and he you you he is a tone setter and you can build off the things that he does out there. And I think the tone setting, I mean, I think the Flames in the second half were a very reactive group. I think in the last 15, 20 games, I think they got a bit more urgency in their game. But, you know, we, we talked about the things you lose when you lose a Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk is a guy who sort of grabs the hold of the game by the lapels and shakes it and sort of imposes his tone on the game. And of all the players in the Flames system right now, I think the best player at doing that, to a lesser extent, maybe uh, maybe Rasmus Anderson, but I think Nazem Kadri amongst the forward group is probably the best guy at sort of when he's on his game, throwing the body around, making hits, making plays, he can he can sort of tell the opposition, this is what you're in for tonight, more so than anyone else on the team. And I don't think, I think that was, uh, to a certain extent, absent from hit both his game and the Flames game in the second half yep. of the year. Well and I think if he has the ability, if you have, can have Nazem Kadri be Nazem Kadri for 
50 to 60 games a year in terms of being able to sort of be a bull in the China shop and really impose his will on a game, I think you're going to have 50 or 60 games that you feel your team can not just win, but make a statement in. And I think that's something they, they didn't have. And I think that's something they're going to need. He's Ryan Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. As we start to wrap things up this hour on Flames Talk, Pike's on Twitter at Ryan and Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. Cameron and Taylor have been our producers uh, for this hour of Flames Talk, and that'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.